Hey, B2B Nation, this is Jordan Schneider subbing in for Chris Kleinfelter, and this is our fifth and final interview that we conducted at the Revenue Summit in San Francisco last week. Awesome conference put on by Terminus and Sales Hacker. Uh, We had some really great conversations with attendees, keynote speakers, sponsors, and this is the last conversation with a keynote speaker that we had there. Uh, His name is Lincoln Murphy, and he's from a company called 16 Ventures. And if you don't already follow Lincoln, I have a feeling after this interview, you're going to want to. I know I did after talking to him. Uh, He is just a subject matter expert and thought leader in customer success. And this to me was the, it was the perfect way to round out these interviews. Because if, if you've listened to the previous interviews in this series, we started out talking to Rob Jepson and Christina McMillan um, from Topo and Exvoyant. And, uh, you know, they gave us some really interesting insights on sales strategies and inside sales strategies, the differences between selling to the enterprise and the SMB. We talked about marketing strategies with Kristen Wendell from Version 1 um, and Bastian Janmat from DataFox and really, really great insight on ABM strategies. And so this really closes the loop. Lincoln closes the loop here because he talks about customer success. He actually opened up the conference that day talking about customer success and how you can have the best sales and marketing strategies in the world, but if you don't have that customer success component, you're really going to struggle with growth. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this. It's my conversation with Lincoln Murphy. Hello to all of our listeners in the B2B Nation. We are at the Revenue Summit in San Francisco, Pier 27, with Sales Hacker and Terminus. And I'm sitting here with Lincoln Murphy of 16 Ventures. And uh, we're just having a really good conversation about uh, customer success-driven growth, right? Yeah. So uh, do you want to start out by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what you guys do over at 16 Ventures? Sure, sure. So, you know, I I like to say... We make uh, we make our our the companies we work with uh, really make their customers successful, and you know the main thing is what that means is making sure that they understand that their customers have a desired outcome in their relationship with them, and figuring out what that is and figuring out how to operationalize around that. So you know sometimes I think people have an understanding of what customer success is or they think they do. And they think it's this sort of post-sale organization that takes over once the sale is closed and, and you know, makes the customers happy. Um, that's not customer success. Customer success is, I actually have a definition for it. It's when our customers achieve their desired outcome through their interactions with our company. Well, that has nothing to do with, with post-sale. It has nothing to do with operations. That's actually just an operating philosophy. And we need to think about that when we're selling to customers, when we're actually looking at who, who are we going to do business with, can we make them successful? It all starts with making sure that we understand what success is, what success potential looks like with our customers, and, and building our organization around that. That's, that's kind of my philosophy. My passion um, is, is that, and, and that's what we do all the time at 16 Ventures, help companies figure out that stuff. And ultimately, you know, they make their customers successful, and they generate more revenue at a higher margin for themselves. Like, that's a pretty awesome thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pretty scary place to be in when you look at your retention metrics and you're like, oh my God, that is not that is not as high yeah. as it should be. That hurts everything. It does. I mean, um, you know, I like, a lot of people come to customer success because they have a high churn rate or because they have yeah. a, a low renewal rate or they just don't have a lot of repeat customers. So, you know, I say if you want to do business with a customer more than once, um, customer success driven growth is, is something you need to look at. If you want to really thrive, though, this is this is definitely the framework that you want to apply. Um, but, yeah, like you said, when you have a, when you have a lot of churn, when you have a retention rate that's really low, 
Like when customers leave because they didn't achieve their desired outcome, um, that's really for two reasons. One, they either they had no success potential, they were not ever going to achieve their desired outcome, and you shouldn't assign them in the first place. Yes. Or they had success potential, and you dropped the ball. You didn't unlock that potential. You maybe even mistook it for success guaranteed. And, you know, probably just didn't even think about it. You know, unfortunately what I see a lot. But, you know, we, we, we thought this was a good fit customer. We'll let them kind of fend for themselves and all of a sudden they, they leave because they, we, didn't, we didn't help them become successful. Um, when that happens, those customers leave. They don't just take the revenue with them that they, that they are paying you. They take the cost to acquire them. They take the cost to serve them. And then they take some unquantifiable number of other customers with them who would never do business with you because of what they've said to, said either behind closed so doors scary. or even worse, they've actually gone out and spread the, the negative word about you. And yeah. now you, your salespeople, your marketing, now they have to overcome all of this negative sentiment in the market all because you signed customers you shouldn't have done in the first place. Yeah. So churning and burning customers is like never a good thing. So when you look at a low retention rate, you go, eh, that sucks because, well, we, we're losing some revenue or we're not, we're not retaining some revenue. No, it's so much worse than that. Yes. <laughs> and you need to look at it that way. And that's kind of, you know, that's what I do is I come in and help you figure out, you know, what, what are we looking at here? How do we fix it? And the thing with churn, I say it's a, it's a symptom of an underlying disease. It's not in and of itself a bad thing. It just, it's just a symptom. The real disease is your customers not achieving their desired outcome. So you may have to do things to save a customer offer discounts and, and other concessions and promises and whatever, but that's not customer success. Customer success is once you've saved them, keep them from leaving, getting them back on the right track towards success. Help them achieve that desired outcome. Exactly. Yeah, you said something that really struck a chord with me. I'm totally going to use this, <laughs> by the way, but it's like your addressable market is shrinking yes. because of the lack of customer success. It's like all that negative word of mouth is so unquantifiable. It's terrifying. I mean, that's terrifying. It, it is. And, and you know, some of it actually, if you really go out and, and you dig, may be quantifiable. Yeah. Um, I've talked to venture capital firms who, uh, who actually, I do, a lot of, I do a lot of work with VCs and I do a lot of, with, their, with their portfolio companies. And so I have some really interesting insights into how customer success actually drives the value of companies. And some of the things that go into valuation multiple. So we look at, so literally you want to get into like, you know, how is, how, how are, how is the value of your company determined? It's usually revenue times something, right? Well, that right. something is made up, it's, it's a number, and it's made up of various inputs. And some of that is customer lifetime value. Some of that is, you know, like net revenue retention, these other financial metrics. But some of that is, is the total addressable market shrinking or growing? And they will go out and they will interview customers. They will interview people who customers that have churned. They'll talk to competitors. They'll look at at all the different places that you can leave reviews online, um, and they'll start to if if they can't fully quantify it, they can get close. They're doing that to figure out how to value your company. You should probably be doing something yeah. like that too. But I'll tell you what, it's easy to even guess if you have a really high churn rate and there's a lot of velocity in your churn, so you're just churning and burning like a bunch of co uh, customers, like. I can guarantee you there's some negative sentiment in the market. And that is making your ability to acquire new customers harder, more expensive, less efficient, all of that. So it's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Where does the, just out of curiosity, where's the name 16 Ventures come from? <laughs> so it's, we've been in business for like 10 years and it was really just a um, kind of, I don't know, organizing my, my one-off consulting. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, December 31st, I needed a name going into the next year. I pulled it out of thin air. I, I have a, uh, a backstory that I use now, and that is uh, Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. Okay. But honestly, it was just like my 16th venture. 
Oh. Now, the, here's a cool little side effect. It's it's oddly catchy. It, it is. It really is. I, I mean, I, it's now it it is it's a part of me. It's a part of you know. I mean, it's it, it's a weird brand. Like I wouldn't suggest doing this, except um, I got and and it makes total sense. I got confused for we get in the early days. People thought. Oh, it must be VC or, or something. That, so that got, was my thought, right, actually, right. originally, yeah. So I got invited to a lot of events that I probably wouldn't otherwise have done if we'd call it Lincoln oh, nice. Murphy Consulting. So it had some interesting side effects that I never expected. There um, you go. But, yeah, it's, it's not really that great of a story. But the Abraham Lincoln angle, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln Murphy, that's a, like it, it. it makes sense at least. But no, I love it's it. It's completely fake. <laughs> so we've got most of our listeners are marketing and sales professionals, yeah. but I think we've done a good job of like terrifying everybody with the, the customer <laughs> success metrics. But I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure they are too, what are, if you're coming in and you're telling somebody, okay, here's how we're going to diagnose the fact that you've got a problem with your customer success or making your, or lack thereof, right? Um, like what metrics are you looking at or what metrics are you evaluating first and foremost? Sure. So one of the here's the, the key thing that I do. So I mean, this is like you know, it's, it's it's I have a formula, and every company is a little bit different. In fact, actually, a lot of companies are very different. Versus sales and marketing, I don't want to say that that's the same across companies, but certainly when you get into working with your customers and the various segments across the three, five, seven, ten years that they're going to be with you, that's a very different thing from company to company. Um, so, sure. what, but what I do is I have some some processes in place, and one of the first things I do, and I would suggest to to you guys to do this, and for anybody listening to do this right when you're done listening to this, is go figure out what a bad fit customer looks like. So we can get into KPIs and all this other stuff, but if you don't know what a bad fit customer looks like, or conversely, a customer with success potential, yeah. if you don't know what that looks like, then every, nothing else matters. Like If you're bringing in bad fit customers because you've never really sat down to figure that out, Interesting. you're basically setting everybody up for failure, right? So totally. figure out what a bad fit customer is, stop acquiring those, then you can actually go apply that to your existing customer base, figure out, oh my gosh, 25% of our existing customers are a bad fit, like we shouldn't assign them. We need to figure out what to do with them, but at the very least, we can put some guidance around the fact that probably 25% are going to churn out soon or at some point or yeah. won't renew because they're a bad fit. And no matter what we do, we're probably not going to be able to, to make them successful. Then we say, all right, for the good fit, uh, you know, we can figure out where they are. But really, the main thing is bad fit customers. We got to stop the flow. Um, and, and we just yeah. really what this means is getting deliberate, you know, knowing who we're going after. We can't be the victim of our customers anymore. Like, oh, our customers are so terrible because uh, they don't know what they're doing. They're, they don't get it. But you're just kind of, you, you normalize an experience across everybody. You're letting whoever figures out in spite of your efforts that they might be your customer come in. Uh, you'll sign anybody. And then you end up with a bunch of customers that really are not anywhere near your ideal right. and maybe really represent a lot of bad fit. And you're like, why is everything not working? Well, that's why. So let's get deliberate about it. Don't sign customers that, ha that don't have success potential. Take the ones that do have success potential. Work them through a process that will take them to success. This is where logical segmentation comes in. Not all customers are the same. So all of your good fit customers are going to fit into different segments, and we need to give them the appropriate experience for that segment. So it's, it's, there's a process here. But yeah. the main thing, before you do anything else, start with identifying a bad fit customer and do that right now. Because honestly, if you're acquiring bad fit customers, no matter what you invest in customer success, no matter how good your intentions are, like everybody's set, being set up for failure, including your customer who yeah. trusted you, right? Yeah, the trust totally. is such a big deal. Totally. And that, that's interesting to me as a marketer, too, because we spend so much time defining who, who we do want, right. who, who is going to be a successful customer, who do we believe we're, 
we need to go out and target. We don't spend any time really thinking about like who do we not want coming through right. the pipeline, who do we not want our salespeople talking to, who do we not want revenue right. from, because right. so, we know it's not going to work. And so you can't be surprised when you end up getting a bunch of those that may not be a good fit. Yeah. Right? Because we just haven't done what was necessary. And you know, well, people will blame sales. Oh, I wish they would stop signing bad fit customers. I mean, it is sales fault. It, it uh, always everything is. is always sales fault. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. But the reality is we've never told them. They don't know. I mean, we haven't laid it out. Like, these are bad fit customers. Don't sign them. Yeah. You know, it's easy to say salespeople will close any deal no matter what. And there may be some people that will do that. But as a, I mean, overall, what we found is as soon as you lay it out, like, they can't unknow that. Yeah. So they're not going to go out and sign customers that they know are a bad fit. If you've never laid it out, though, it's really easy to, for somebody to think, you know, this customer may not be a great fit, but nobody's ever told me any different, so I'm going to go ahead and sign them. I think uh, yeah, a real okay. professional salesperson wouldn't do that because they understand that their reputation, their trust, all of that is really important. But you get some salespeople that aren't really thinking that way. They might be able to kind of get away, you know, kind of be like, well, I'll ignore the fact, I'll ignore what I think just because I've never been told. If they've been told, it's a pretty simple thing. Like they, they won't do it. And then, of course, you can enforce that through various means. But none yeah. of this matters if you don't know, right? True. And so start there. Once you know that, go to marketing and say, hey, um, you know, don't you know? We got to make sure we're not filling the pipeline with people that match or companies that match this criteria. Yeah. Salespeople don't close anybody like this. It's real simple. Because very often we'll go back to marketing and look at what we're doing, and it's like, oh my gosh, we're we're literally spending money to get in front of All these the bad fit customers. Yeah. So wow. yeah, it's powerful stuff. That really is. That's crazy. Have you ever have you ever recommended or ever seen a sales organization where the reps actually sign up for any kind of retention metrics? Or anything like yeah, that? Yeah. So we'll actually, um, there will be times where, and this is not even having the rep own the follow-on relationship. By the way, I think if you really want to stay a small company, make sure you have your same sales reps doing new business and doing expansion sales. Yeah. Because they're two different things. Right. And a lot of the things that we have to do to, in new business, if we do that with existing customers, it's going to actually hurt the relationship. We don't need to do some of those things. That are, you know, I'm not, I don't think you have to be ne negatively aggressive in, in new business sales, but there are times you have to be a little bit more aggressive, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. In, but once you have a relationship with the customer, that stuff isn't necessary anymore. And what you, you know, if you start going down the path of like, let's have internal quotas and let's let's use these new business techniques on existing customers, you may end up actually hurting the relationship. Versus if you understand what their success trajectory looks like and what what of the success milestones that they're going through have a logical expansion opportunity associated with it, then you'll simply have conversations along the way that will be easy to be like no effort upsells and that sounds crazy but but that's that's true it's right offer right time with the right person it's what we all know it's what we've all talked about we just don't tend to operationalize those yeah. things huh. so yeah so basically have we ever done this absolutely and have you know do we do we tie compensation or you know either in a positive way or negative like clawbacks and things like that to retention sure but uh, but those are tactics and and uh, those kinds of, I used to say incentives drive behavior. It's leadership that drives behavior. Right. So before you start thinking, I got to go to clawbacks, I got to go to some negative reinforcement, or even bonuses, like I should give a bonus to somebody that has a customer who stays longer. No, man, that's table stakes. Be a leader. Lead. And then, you know, if you have to use some incentives in the meantime to kind of bridge that gap between the culture that was and the culture that we want, sure. fair enough. But don't just immediately go to tactics and gimmicks and tricks. Be a 
the freaking leader, man. It's more about <laughs> adopting that philosophy yeah. company-wide. Yeah. Exactly. That's why I call ultimately customer success is an operating philosophy, and we all have to buy into it, which means it needs to come top down. It needs to be the leadership really driving this because, you know, like bottom up, it just doesn't, it doesn't work because it's so cross-functional. It's, it really requires everybody to be bought into it. So, you know, CEOs, leader, sales leaders, customer success leaders, obviously, but across the board need to con constantly be working towards this. And, you know, if we, are, if we understand what the, what the potential is of this to literally drive the value of our company, then it should be a no-brainer to get everybody on board. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I was just telling you before this, we've kind of went through like a similar yeah. renaissance at TA just recently, and it's like a, it's such a crazy aha moment, especially when you consider all of the damage that it does to not have that philosophy. Right. It's nuts. Everybody gets on board pretty quickly once you have the realization. Well, yeah, I mean, once, and that's the thing, we don't have, we shouldn't have to wait until we're really sick to go seek yes. help. Yeah, right? totally. And so that's why I try to tell people, you know, you don't have to be sick to get better. Like, you might be doing okay, you might mm -hmm. be doing fine, but like, what could you be doing that would cause you to thrive? Yes. You know, and, yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's yeah. kind of where we were at, yeah. too. Yeah, so I totally agree that's with awesome. that. That's awesome. Totally agree it's with a, that. It's a, it's a good realization to have, and, you know, that's now, now the hard work begins, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, what do you recommend in terms of, I mean, if you're going to put, like, metrics on a dashboard that you can monitor in a business intelligence tool or in your Salesforce.com account or something like that, what, what metrics do you monitor just to get that little quick health check on customer success in a given quarter? Right. So I, uh, two things are usually the, uh, there's not, not one metric that matters. Sure, it's going to yeah. be uh, probably a financial metric, something like net revenue retention that just tells us we start this, this quarter off with this much revenue. We end from that, ex that same customer base. We end this quarter with this much revenue. So, you know, if we started out with $1,000, we end with 1000 we had 100% net revenue retention. It's net of any reduction through through churn, either customers leaving or customers staying, but paying us less for the for the uh, privilege, um, or of, of any upsell. So it's net of any upsell. Um, if we have more than 100%, that's great. That means we're actually growing from the, just from our customer base, not taking into consideration any new businesses coming in. Right. That means, theoretically, we could turn off new business acquisition and not just exist, but, but continue to grow for a yeah. while. That's amazing. Now, if you tack on, on top of that, a really efficient new business acquisition uh, strategy, that is an amazing growth engine, right? Uh, however, if you're ending up with a negative uh, net revenue retention number or, or less than 100%, um, that means you're shrinking, you know, and that's not where we want to be. Now, net revenue retention is a financial metric it can hide the fact that maybe customers are, are, are leaving. So if I'm losing half my customers, expanding the other half, coming out with a positive net revenue retention, that's great. But why am I losing half my customers? Yeah. Right? I'm making up for that revenue. That's fine. But remember, a, a customer that leaves, it t takes every, all the investment we've made in them, but also takes those other potential customers with them. And, and that's, a, that's a really big deal. Um, on top of that, or in, in addition to that, we would have some sort of customer success specific metric. Right. I, call, I have what I call success vector. And that's sort of a, 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 an aggregate of lots of different inputs. Everything from, you know, are they opening support tickets to are our internal champions still there, you know, maybe via LinkedIn. Um, but all of those other sort of gotcha. data points are, in, are they paying their bills, all that stuff, it, that's interesting. But the main thing is, are they doing what's necessary to get value out of this relationship? If they aren't doing that, all of those other metrics, including are they paying their bills, doesn't matter. 
because they're probably going to be on their way out. So first and foremost, so first and foremost, go figure out what a bad fit customer looks like. Stop bringing in bad fit customers. Number two, figure out what it's going to take for your customer to, to get value from their relationship with you. Make sure you're operationalizing that and make sure you know whether or not they're on track. And you know, a, a very interactive SaaS product is a lot easier theoretically to figure out because you have that data. The further away you get from that, you know, you get into transactional non-tech businesses, that becomes a little bit more difficult. But there's context, and you can find it. I yeah. guarantee you there's, there's context there that will tell you, are our customers doing what, what they need to do? If we can figure that out, couple that with a financial metric, there's your dashboard. You know, that's, that's it. But if you had to just pick one thing, it's just, are they doing what, what is necessary? Like, start there, figure that out, and then you can start adding in all those other data points. Yeah. Yeah, this is really good information. <laughs> Thank you for all that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to me that this is like, it seems like it's something that's commonly neglected, right? Because everyone's like, yeah. oh, well, let's invest in sales and marketing. We right. need new customers and everything. And it's just all you need to do is talk about it for five minutes. And you're like, oh, my God, this should be right. at the front of your mind at all times. This is ridiculous. I, so some people call me a thought leader. Yeah. Whatever. That's cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's a, it's a cool title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll take it. No I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to argue. But <laughs> so somebody asked me one time, what does it mean to be a thought leader? And I'm like, or what, is, what defines a thought leader? Something like that. And I said, being frustrated a lot. Yeah. Because this is a simple concept. It's not easy. I think a lot of people overthink this concept, actually, when they're trying to think about customer success. They overthink it, but they, they under, then, then they undervalue or underappreciate what's required to actually make it work. Right. So they, they overthink the concept and under underappreciate the, 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 the real work that has to make it happen. Because it it is a a shift in thinking. It's a shift in culture. It's going to require a lot of operations. I mean, there are easy ways to start. Don't bring in bad fit customers. Like, that's right. a, a super simple one. But... You know, to really make this a part of your a part of your business as it should be, it's going to require some some work. But then again, you know, everything else that's worthwhile requires work. Nothing's magic. Sales and marketing, we know that that stuff requires a lot of work, and we put in the the operations and, and we know what it takes because we value it. My my job and why I'm frustrated a lot is you know because I'm tr I'm trying to get people to value something that, in a lot of ways, seems so obvious. Like right. Our customers are with us for five years. We sold them once. Like, where should we put a lot more of our focus? Yeah. You know, maybe on the five years, but we, we tend to put all of our focus on that, on that sale, on that initial sale, which is important. I know salespeople are like, but we got to have that initial sale. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Not yeah. taking anything away from that. But it's setting up a longer-term relationship, and that's what we also need to put energy and effort and resources into. And so, you know, it, it's, it's stuff that it seems so simple, yet... Obviously, it's it's you know there's some barrier somewhere something's happening that people haven't bought some into this fully. Yeah. yeah, and I I sometimes have to take take a step back. I literally travel the world and talk about this stuff, and I'm like, why do I, why am I doing this? You know, like why do I have to do this? Because sometimes it seems so simple, but you know what? It's not. It's it's clearly we, there's a lot of work to do, and and I I stay passionate because I still have bad interactions with with companies as a customer, and I'm like. That's why I'm doing this because yes. I just really, as a customer, want my life to suck less. And if I can tell you how to make your customers' lives suck less while making more high rev uh, high margin revenue in the process, like, let's do it. You yes. know. So it's it is it's. I hear some people say sometimes it's common sense, and that to me that just that's infuriating because it's it's clearly not. Right. If it was, everybody would be doing it. Uh, it may be a simple concept, but there's a lot more work to do. But if if you but once you know it. 
So we've just had this conversation. You can't unknow this. You guys listening, um, you, you can't unknow this stuff, right? So hopefully we got, got the, the wheels turning, got you thinking about this, and, and you'll take this back and, and start applying some of these principles. I will forget five minutes from now, but our listeners are way <laughs> smarter than me, so they won't forget. I don't know, man. I saw the sparkle in your eye. I, I, think, I, think, we, I think we made something happen here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Something clicked. Something clicked. Awesome. Um, so, okay, so you kicked off today, yeah. right? Um, what what did we miss? I mean, what did the listeners miss? Did we? I, I think we just covered quite a bit. There, I think we just. There... I think I literally just gave you my presentation. Just the entire uh, presentation yeah, yeah. right there. Um, awesome. No, I mean, you know what you miss, and what you miss anytime you, live is. I, I definitely try to tailor things to the to the audience and try to try sure, to have some yeah. interactions there. But in terms of the core concepts, I mean, I might have gone into a little bit more detail on some things. Um, but the core concepts, you know, are, are what customer success is. You know, and and what customer success driven growth is, and customer success driven growth is just that growth that's that's fully associated with the success of our customers, and that doesn't get any more efficient uh, or or sustainable uh, from a growth standpoint than that. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely awesome. Well, hey, if our listeners want to find out more about either Sixteen Ventures or just read some some thought leadership yeah, from yeah. you, Lincoln, how can they how can they uh, do that? You can follow me on on Twitter at Lincoln Murphy. I'm I'm always sharing uh, what I think are interesting things. Uh, or you can go to sixteenventures.com. I publish everything there. Uh, it's it's free for you to to get no opt in or anything like that. So uh, just check it out and and always connect with me uh, or reach out on 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 Twitter at Lincoln Murphy. Awesome, very cool. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Definitely. Our show today brought to you by Technology Advice was recorded live in San Francisco at the Revenue Summit. For more B2B Nation, including the rest of the episodes in this series, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thanks for listening.